0: and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table. I'm so glad you're here this week. We are starting a new uh, section or a new series about how do we talk to our kids about Jesus? How do we have gospel conversations in a way that make sense for where they are in life. So we're going to be talking about it in terms of their age or their stage. And we're going to break it down. This week is going to be the overarching view, how our mind should be and where our mindset is. And then for the next few weeks, we're going to look at five different ages and stages. So I don't want you to miss this but it's not so much the age physically of your child. So some of it is and we're going to talk about it in light of their physical age, but some of it is more their stage spiritually. So we're going to we're going to let those two tracks run parallel and I'm going to explain it later today and then over the next 5 weeks we're going to work it out. But really this is a question that I get asked so much. The question, I think, is because there are eight kids that I have, and so a lot of moms that I uh, disciple or pour a lot of my time into, which tend to be younger moms, younger than me mom. so I mean, realistically, they have kids younger than my 22-year-old, but uh, most of them will ask me, Bethany, how do I have a gospel conversation? Like, What age do I start this? Where do I start? Because Mine is two years old. Do they understand? Do I start now? Mine is three years old. Do they understand? When do I kick into this kind of conversation and how do I do it? So I get that question a lot. Just, I mean, like, how do I make what I say make sense to just a little person's mind? But then the other group of mamas who oftentimes ask me this are the older mamas, the mamas of older kids. And really, I think what they often ask me is, Bethany, how do I talk to my kids about Jesus without making it seem like I'm a broken record or I'm the lecture mama or heaven forbid that I pull a Jesus juke on my kids? And I hope hope you all know what that is. In the Kimsey household, that is um, a term we use for... Those times where I do it, I definitely do it, where I almost just sassily throw in a, a scripture as a correction, and I'm not really correcting from the heart to the heart of my child. And so we usually say, oh, thanks for the Jesus juke. You know, it's um, but we really want as moms to speak to the heart of our child in a way that is life giving. And that gives them the hope of Jesus, right? We've talked about that in weeks past. And if you missed the whole series on being a grace-filled warrior, I just want to encourage you, go back and start there. Because I want you to understand that God gave you these kids. He's commissioned you for this. And he knows that you surrender to him is the best equation for these kids. And that means he's not worried about the the skill set you bring into having a gospel conversation with your kid. Because he's fully, he fully believes that you surrender to him is the best equation. So for you and for me, when we have those thoughts that say, I'm inadequate, I'm not the best, I'm screwing this up, and I'm not sure what I should do, but it's probably not what I'm doing. When we feel that way, we need to take that back to the truth, which is you have been called to be a hope giver to your children and the hope isn't in anything other than Jesus that he loved them enough to die for them to change them and make them new so for you and me today i want to talk about how do we have these kind of conversations the older mom i think oftentimes comes to me because she's realizing or she feels like this is becoming a hard place Maybe she talked to her kids when they were young and they listened and now she feels like yeah, they kind of tuned me out. I must not be doing it right. The younger mom worries that she's, she doesn't know what to say. She doesn't know how to make it appeal to her little two-year-old with a short attention span. But what I really want us to understand is I think underneath it all, there is a fear that the enemy attacks us with, which is you're not doing it right. You are messing it up. You've already messed it up. Your kid's 10, your kid's 15, your kid's 18. You missed the boat. You didn't do it right. And I just want you to hear from me right now. Our God is not thrown by the timing of you seeking how to speak to your kids about gospel conversations. There is not a too late for this. So whatever age your child is and whatever has gone before you, I encourage you to take a few minutes and lay that down at Jesus's feet and trust him and then get up with him and let's begin to walk this out. Because this is a holy sacred privilege that we get to walk with Jesus in. But we can do it. We can. The Holy Spirit lives within you. He gives you wisdom, counsel, and guidance for every moment of every day as you engage with and love your children well. Okay, so let's get started. We're going to break this down into five age groups, and then we're going to talk about them both as the physical age and then spiritually what that child would look like if they were spiritually still at that age. Because we can have even a adult child who may be a complete infant toddler in the faith. And so I want us to understand that the way we talk and what we're going to talk about this today is going to be both in the physical world and, I believe, in the spiritual world. So we're going to root down into a passage of scripture because we want to Anchor ourselves in the word. And I want you to look at First Thessalonians with me today. We're going to look across the book. This is a book that Paul wrote to a church that was a new Christian, a new group of Christians just growing. He had sent Timothy to check on them to see if they were doing okay. and Timothy sent back this great word that said this, this church is growing. And I love this book. But I I really think there are some nuggets for us as a mom in this book. I want you to look first with me in First Thessalonians one. I'm going to stumble over that word all podcast long. But in First Thessalonians one, verse six, Paul is talking to them, and he's already said, you know, I'm thanking God for who you are, and for what God has done to you here, done for you, and, and showed you here. And it says in verse six, he says, and you became imitators of us. And of the Lord, for you receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And for you and for me, I think this is a powerful verse that we can pray for our kids. As we begin this place of trying to figure out how we're going to speak gospel to our kids, I think the first thing we need to do is we need to pray. You need to begin, if you've never prayed scripture for your kids, can I encourage you to start standing in the word of God. So this verse is a great verse to stand in, to say, God, I am asking that my child will become an imitator of you, Lord, that he will or she will receive the word with joy because the Holy Spirit is helping them. That's what this verse says. And so we pray this for our kids and we stand in that promise. Whether they're saved or not saved, we're going to stand in truth of the word. And on a side note, if you do not know how to pray scripture for your kids, but you want to learn, come to my website. I have lots of free free guides that you can go and print out and begin to stand in different truths and passages of scripture for your kids. It is so powerful to ask God in using his word for your child. So that's the first one. Then if we skip over into chapter two in verse seven and eight, Paul says, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own kids, her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but our own selves, because you have become dear to us. Isn't that like how we feel about our kids? I mean, we have given them all of ourselves, haven't we? We have been up since the moment they were born. We have sought to feed them before we feed ourselves. We clothe them before we clothe ourselves. We, you know, there's so much where we lay down our lives for our children and we want to include the gospel in that sharing. So from, to answer that young mama question when do I start talking about the gospel? I start talking about the gospel the very first day that baby is born. And it looks a lot like Jesus loves you so much. And I'm changing diapers and I'm just talking about how Jesus made you and he created you beautifully and I just love you. But you know who loves you more? Jesus does. And this becomes the, the drumbeat, the conversation I am handing over to a child. No, no. He or she does not know at all what I am saying. But I believe that it is in this conversation as it becomes this ongoing message that there is one who loves you far better than I do, despite the fact that you see my physical representation of your love. There is somebody who loves you way more. And we lay down our lives in light of the gospel for our kids. And then if you skip down into verse 11 and 12, he says, and you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. So this is the other way that we walk with our kids. So we exhort them, we encourage them and we charge them to walk in a way that will please God. And so we want to be speaking to our kids about how they should walk with Jesus. But when you look over, the verse we're going to get really situated in, if you look over in chapter five, it says in verse 14, we urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And mama, I believe this verse is for you and for me. When I began to really ask the Lord early on with some of my first ones, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I need to know from your word how to do this thing. And I know that it, that you don't leave us without answers. You know, God doesn't leave us without answers. Jeremiah 33, three says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things you don't know. And I don't know how to mother apart from asking God what I'm supposed to do. So this is a passage that God said, Bethany, hold to this passage and begin to use this as your assessment tool for your kids. So let's break it down. Okay. There are three parts of this verse. It says, admonish the idle. That's one. Encourage the fainthearted. That's two. Help the weak. That's three. All right. So there's got to be something in there for us, right? I think our kids represent a representative of, of those, three set, those three groups. And, and sometimes they're all those groups. In some seasons of life, they're only one or two. But when I'm interacting with my children, the first thing I want to do is I stand there with the Lord and I go, show me is this the first, the second, or the third Lord. Because remember that overarching mantra that Paul said at the back end of that verse, he said, be patient with them all. So when my posture is before the Lord, even though I'm interacting with this child, my posture before the Lord is, God, show me this child. Help me assess this child the way you see this child. So who then, who then is the idol? Because that's the first one. And we're supposed to admonish the idol. So who is that? The idol are the disruptive, the lazy, the unruly, the irresponsible, undisciplined, or wrongdoers. Those are all words for this Greek word, idol. So that, that summarizes a lot of our child our child rearing years, doesn't it? There's a lot of our kids that is disruptive, irresponsible, undisciplined, and so we spend a lot of time here with our kids we struggle with it in childhood it needs to be trained and shaped doesn't it because these are the places of character training of integrity training um and so yes we admonish it and to admonish means to rebuke it to charge it and warn like warn say i you know these are there's gonna be consequences if you continue doing x y or z the second Encourage the faint hearted. Who are the faint hearted? The faint hearted are those that are disheartened, timid, feeble minded, discouraged, or souls that need comfort or cheering. Our children can be so easily discouraged, so easily scared or worried and full of fear. And so when I am interacting with a child who is struggling, struggling with fear or worry, with doubt, with insecurity, with discouragement, then I want to have a posture of encouragement. It's not a time for a posture of rebuke. So as I see my child the way God sees my child, and you know, for me, I have found that sometimes my child will look like they're idle or they're disruptive or they're undisciplined or even disobedient and yes we we stop in that moment with that child and we look into we say no you're you're not going to behave this way but it means sometimes seeing the fact that really what lies beneath is they are they're faint-hearted they need encouragement a lot of our children's behavior simply stem from an immaturity of the soul And our job is to give the support, the confidence, and the hope. And what is the hope we offer? The hope we offer is Jesus. So we sit and we come alongside of that faint hearted and we we put our arms around them and we sit side by side with them and we speak into them the words of encouragement that they need. So that's the second group. And the third group is it says help the weak. The weak are our kids with spiritual hearts that are either very young or our kids who are lost. The word weak, just like this, is only used one other place in the New Testament, and that's in Romans 5, 6, where Paul writes, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Our children, just like us, are powerless to save themselves that is the work God does as he calls us to repentance as he begins to um, powerfully redeem us right and then he grows our faith through the indwelling Holy Spirit but our kids are weak spiritually and he is strong and our role is to help or to support them as they hear the gospel to bear their burdens before the throne We become a warrior for them on their behalf. And how do we war? We war by praying and standing in the word for our kids. And then the last thing we do to help the weak is we take tender care of their hearts so that their hearts are fertile ground. So that the seeds that we offer them, the seeds of truth and seeds of Jesus and where we point to him and say, your only hope is here, that ground will receive those seeds. And then it's fertile ground that the Holy Spirit works in and grows and tends to their faith. But our job is to help, is to come alongside. So when we're walking and we're talking with our kids, I am constantly praying and asking the Lord to help me assess, to see them the way he sees them. And then it taught, we need to talk about the ages of our kids. And so here at the end, we're going to talk real briefly about where we're gonna go. We're going to talk about looking at our kids understanding are they idle? are they faint-hearted? are they weak in each of these five ages and stages? The first age or stage is what I what we're gonna take it off of physical age. so the toddler preschool years. okay now remember, What I want you to understand as the weeks come is it's not just if you have a toddler, are you going to be interested in the toddler preschool years? But if you have a child who maybe physically is older, but spiritually you assess them and you're like, I'm not sure if they're saved or if they are saved, they are a very, very young, immature believer. Then it's okay. This is what you're going to talk about with them. This is your first space of assessment. You're like, okay, so here's where we start. So these, all these weeks are going to be for every mom. I promise you this. But that first age or stage is the toddler preschool year. And just like our little toddlers and our little preschoolers, what are they into? They're completely into exploration, right? You put that baby down. He is crawling around trying to figure out what everything is and touch everything. You put a toddler down, even a preschooler. They are exploring and feeling and experiencing It's what they do. It's how they learn. And so in this stage, we want them to experience God. So if they really are young, it is all about when they have an experience, we point back to the creator. We point back to who made that. We point back to how much Jesus loves them. And we're going to talk about that next week. What does that mean? What does it mean for an actual physical toddler, preschooler? And what does it mean if you go, you know, I think that's where my kid is. How do we help our child experience God? And then the second stage is the early childhood or the elementary years. And in this age, our kids are moving from a concrete thought process to an abstract way of thinking. And you know this because your kid doesn't understand jokes very well and you have to kind of explain the jokes to them. They're still a concrete thinker. But somewhere around third grade, fourth grade, second grade, somewhere in that spectrum, they begin to get it. You know, you begin to go, you tell a joke and it takes them a few minutes because they're figuring out the play on words. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, I get it. Right. And it's so cute. And so their their thought pattern is maturing. This is the age, the stage of stories, and not just stories for story's sake. We tell stories. We use story form to run the red thread of Jesus through everything. The why is emerging in this stage. Why? And it's not the why of a two-year-old. Why? why? It's the why of that earnest eight or nine-year-old who wants to know why we have certain rules. Like, Why do I have to do that? And they genuinely want to know. That's how you know this child's thought process is maturing. And this is where, even spiritually, you need to weave the red thread through the stories of the word. And then the third stage is tweens, right? These are our 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, depending on the maturity of your child. These are the years of identity. They are. We want them to come later. They don't. This is where they're being formed. Your child is forming their perspective on their identity of who they are in these years. And you and I want to talk about their identity in Jesus, their worth, their value, because creator God fashioned them with a purpose in mind. He has sought them from the beginning of time to save them for his kingdom living and the security that they have is not in what they do. It is not in how they succeed. It's not in how they look. It's not in how people think about them. It is solely in Jesus alone. So it's identity. And then in the teen years, we're talking about wisdom and we're pursuing wisdom for our kids. We are talking about, well, what, what, what does the word say about that? I don't know. I, and so usually in these years, Troy and I, we pretty much aren't going to give our opinion first where our answer back usually is, well, what do you think would be wise to any decision coming at us? What do you think would be wise? Even if our knee jerk gut reaction is, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard you say. We are not going to say that. We're not going to let our face look that way if we can help it. A lot of times my face has looked that way. But we're going to say instead, well, what do you think would be wise? What does the Bible say about that would be wise about this? Because we're going to seek to help our children choose wisdom of God over the wisdom of man. We want them to choose that walking with Jesus is what they want. It is the wise way. It is the way with reward. So we are constantly having a conversation about wisdom. And then the final stage is the adult stage, right? The young adult stage. And this is the stage of perspective and vision This is a stage where all the big decisions are being made, who they marry, where they go to school. If they go to school, do they just pursue a career? What kind of career do they do? This is the age where faith is what we're having conversations about, where we're talking about choosing God's way because it is the long term goal to walk with God. We want to be men and women of faith. And so how does that play out into all the big spaces that soon we're going to occupy? We're going to break this down into all the different components each week. And I'm going to give you examples and stories from my own life and from my kids and. Some are going to be funny. I'm definitely going to tell you the ones I messed up on. And I will probably share a Jesus juke for everyone because my kids love to claim that. And probably it's true. I mean, I can just flat probably Jesus juke my kids if I just want them to be, you know, full confession. If I just want them to like stop something, I can just slam it with some scripture and like, you know, brush my hands off like I just cleaned a mess. And I have done nothing to help a heart, right? nothing. I've just Jesus juked my kids. It's not right. It's not the way of first Thessalonians five. I have not been patient and I have not examined and let the Lord show me where is my child right now in this behavior or this, what they're showing or exhibiting or struggling with. I have not looked at them with God's eyes, but when i We do begin this practice, and I promise you, Mama, you may feel like, man, I've not done it. I want you to know God's not thrown by the fact that you've come to this today. He's not like, man, you should have been here X amount of years ago. You should have figured it out then. Nope, that's not how God acts. It's It's not what he does. He imparts his mercy and his grace over us, and he walks with us today. With mercies that are new, so today, take a few minutes, ask the Lord to begin showing you your child the way He sees your children. Help this. Ask Him to help this scripture come to life for you, where you begin to understand your child, in terms of their idleness, their faint-heartedness, and their weaknesses. And next week, we're going to start with those little preschool toddlers, whether they are physically a preschooler toddler in your home or they are spiritually a preschool or toddler in your home. We're going to talk about how do we walk with them? I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, When we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.